0: How can I be a sex addict and really not want sex?
1: Welcome to the Real Talk Recovery Podcast with the Therapy Brothers. We're brothers, we're therapists, and we know recovery. Bring your stories, your questions, your successes with Real Recovery.
0: How can I be a sex addict and
1: really not want sex? This is going to be a really fun topic today, Brandon. I'm excited. we got a good guest on. Um, Before we do that, I'm just going to jump in and we got a a review. This is kind of a big day for us, Brandon. I was just looking on Apple iTunes. We are now at 101 reviews. So we just barely barely cracked 100 on our reviews. And so this is uh, the most recent one. And it just says, staying stuck or moving through says, I loved your episode on healthy boundaries so much. Actually, I too have noticed some loud voices from the betrayal trauma community that I'm uncomfortable with voices that have a lot of influence. My heart aches as I see the damage being done in keeping people stuck in places of heartache and pain. To me, this is incredibly tragic and I value your brave voice speaking out. I hope that people who don't know a better way will hear this episode. I'm off to share. Best wishes for your continued endeavors.
0: Thank you so much. It's, it's so good to hear that feedback. And I I know for me, Tyler, I'm not going to stop. Um, I'm, in fact, I'm going to step into it even more and more. So I really appreciate that feedback.
1: Yeah, we appreciate your feedback. We appreciate your reviews. And, And the truth is, is Brandon is that we're continually evolving too. We're getting better as we go. We were terrible compared to where we are now, 10 years ago and 10 years from now, somebody's going to be looking for for yourself (laughs) 10 years from now, somebody's going to be listening to these podcasts going like those guys are idiots, but it's the, it's the best, (laughs) it's the best we've got right now. And we're a continued work in progress and we're going to keep, we're going to keep getting better and, and sticking to what we believe. Yeah. So well, Brent, we got okay. awesome, awesome guest, awesome question today. Um, Adam, thank you for being willing to come on the show today.
2: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah. Um, why don't you just kind of jump in and kind of share any background you want to share and then ask your question, then we'll have a discussion.
2: You bet. So, um, been a, an addict to pornography and masturbation for 25 years, uh, got married, hid the addiction um, from my wife for eight years, um, didn't have much intimacy in the marriage during that time. I attributed it to acting out on the side and not having enough drive. Um, after eight years, her feelings of being unwanted and undesired, um, got her to a therapist, therapist recognized the symptoms, said, confront him, ask him directly about sexual addiction. I confessed, we've been in recovery three years now and um my sexual desire for my wife hasn't increased despite uh, a lot of sobriety um 20 months currently had another bout of sobriety before that but uh so the question is how come with all that sobriety from the addiction i still don't have that sexual drive and desire for my wife
0: this is a good question. with it. that's kind of we're gonna have to ask you more information to flush this oh, yeah. out. Um because a lot of different things could be could be happening. Um so uh, here's a here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. Um and and you can answer this as much as you want to or not, but how how is the relationship now? Is the relationship good? Is there a connection? Is there intimacy? Um there
2: is uh we've been in house separated for about 2 years so we're we're roommates um share all the same stuff but as far as intimacy and connection i would say no to the intimacy connection we're working on um we've been doing couples therapy to try to increase that okay. uh but without without knowing that the the intimacy piece of the marriage is something that i want um investment into the relationship has waned, so we've kind of gotten out of the couples relationship until I can figure out my own uh sexual piece
0: okay um my I guess what I'm trying to kind of tease out here is um is this a a you issue if it's if it's sexual anorexia um or is it a couple's issue where now you're at this place where because what I'm hearing is there's not much vulnerability going on between the two of you. It's, it's you've, you've figured out how to survive together. And so what do you know? You're not ripping each other's clothes off because like there's not much of a romantic relationship. And just because you think there should be because you're married, um, there, there needs to be a foundation and a level of energy connection and polarity between the two of you in order for the desire to sex, of, of sex to even be there. That might be a couple's issue. It might be a relational issue. Um, and, and, and when there's been betrayal, uh, it can be really hard to start to reignite that and step back into that because both of you fi- have found your safe space and it's easier to survive as, as roommates. Now, there could be something completely different going on. Uh, and, or maybe it's a combination. Um, well, let me ask you this uh, when you got married, the sexual addiction was already there, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, did you find that pretty quickly in your marriage that you were avoidant when it came to intimacy and sex with your wife?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was quick. She said it was night and day from dating to marriage that it just shut off instantly. Um, I didn't notice it as instant, but it was definitely decreased in marriage pretty quick.
0: Did did you have acting in behavior? So what I mean by that is, well, acting in is is doing things in your relationship to protect yourself against intimacy and having to be sexual and intimate with your partner. So starting fights um, that you wouldn't normally start, but you want to, because you want to push her away. Um, Working late. Working late, bad hygiene on your part, like all kinds of things that that say like i'm I'm out, right? So um did you have those types of behaviors going on? Um, I'm very
2: conflict avoidant. Um, so she would try to engage, I would withdraw. So stonewalling, maybe, if anything. Um, a little bit of the busybody, not so much working overtime as doing housework. The house is always messy, focusing on doing the dishes and vacuuming. Um, uh, that's that's really what comes up for me is the stonewalling and the chores, kind of hiding behind those two.
0: Okay. So really avoiding hard conversations, avoiding mm-hmm. working through stuff, um, mm-hmm. just kind of shutting off and distancing and keeping keeping distant. Yeah.
1: Okay um Tyler do you have any I'm kind of dominating this no no you're fine so so basically what I think just so that I can track what you're doing too here Brandon right now is we're trying to flush out what parts of this we might need to take a look at and the one that you're kind of going after right now is you were checking in on their marriage first and it sounds like there might be an element of the marriage that's like comfortable at the quiet standoff of being roommates because it's not as terrible as it used to be but it's livable. The second one is that you're checking in on Adam to kind of see, Hey, was this something that happened when, when it became real in the marriage? Um, and then the third thing that I'm wondering about is, uh, I'm wondering, you said the sexual addiction was there beforehand. And in a sexual addiction, there's sort of a process that a lot of guys get into where it becomes emotional coping and it becomes something where even the things that you start to see become, expectations of what you think sex should be and healthy sex. Um, and I'm wondering if there's an element of that that's going on too, that might even be a physiological thing, uh, that, you know, uh, you, have you heard the story of the gypsy moth?
2: I no, I don't to,
1: think so. Yeah. Okay, let me tell the story of the gypsy moth really quickly. Cause it's going to get to the point I'm trying to get to. It's, you know, when, when, when the the gypsy moth was introduced into America, supposedly for the silk trade. And then of course they got away out of the, out of the place where they were supposed to be building silk. And then they started reproducing in these big, massive hardwood trees in middle America. And they're just ruining forests, like destroying forests. And so they didn't know how to control them until a scientist was able to figure out a synthetic form of the female pheromone that they could then either spray into the air or they could put on glue traps. And then that's how they'd catch these male moths. And that's how they're starting to bring the the population down to avoid these forests being destroyed. And over time, what they found is is that the male moth would get to a point where when put side by side with an actual real female or just the synthetic form of the pheromone, they would often choose the synthetic form of the pheromone over the actual real thing. And um, in a lot of ways, there's something that happens when you are like get a whole bunch of extra sexual stuff Stuff that's really, really high. That expectation shifts. The level of like excitement shifts. The, uh, you know, the uh, attraction piece starts to shift a little bit too. Um, I'm wondering if some of that is also playing a role in these other couple of things that Brandon's checking in on.
2: I could see that. That's that's certainly why I thought during the marriage that if I got rid of the addiction, that synthetic pheromone that it would take some time, but then I would recalibrate and then be reinterested in, in my wife. And so when that didn't happen, um, even though that's all gone, I thought something's still going on.
0: Yeah. Um, I got another question for you as we're we're, both Tyler and I are just assessing this, trying to sort it out. Right. (laughs) And, and so another question is, and you don't have to give any details here, but did you have significant trauma um, in your childhood? How was your childhood?
2: Childhood was pretty good. i I don't um, we if there's any sexual trauma or anything, it is incredibly repressed. It's never come up in EMDR or anything. Um, the The most significant abuse I experienced was at my own hand um, with the addiction. So no external abuse or experiences.
0: So I'm not talking just sexual abuse or trauma, but, but also just, just wounds, Um, you know, feelings of abandonment, rejection, um, you know, just, just lack of attachment. What was that there in your childhood?
2: To an extent, I don't know how much, I mean, every child feels some, I think. Uh, we had a significant move when I was, uh, nine or 10, and that was just a year before I started getting into self-medicating for disconnection. Um, we, I was known as a goody goody, uh, through Mm -hmm. elementary and middle school. And so I was kind of bullied a little bit for that. And, um, and so that, so there was a lot of people pleasing going on, having to put up a certain face and, um. So most of the wounds are from that aspect of I'm only loved if I'm portraying the right image.
0: Okay. So, so now we're getting to it a little bit is you can kind of developing, which is I'm known as the goody goody yet I'm self-medicating with sex, with pornography. You, you mix those two things together and what's, what's kind of the faulty belief system or identity that starts to get built deep down inside of you.
2: I'm a fraud. I mean, there's shame there that people think I'm this, but I'm this and I can't let this show, um, because people are already mean to me up here. So if they knew I was down here, then whoa, I'm in
0: trouble. So what is, what is, uh, like the deepest levels of intimacy all about connection, vulnerability. It's about being seen, uh, connecting on a, on a real vulnerable, deep level. Like you see me on a real vulnerable level. Can you, can you see that? How, Mm -hmm. how, how you mix your trauma is significant. It's, uh, living, living that way as that poser at the same time, just feeling like if you really knew me, you wouldn't love me. Um, that wound will run deep and run just wedge between healthy attachment and relationships in your life. Um, Well, it's interesting.
1: It's interesting too, Brandon, to go along with that, that not only is the messaging there, but the choice of self-medication is the very thing that I'm wanting to pursue in my marriage. That has been the thing I've been hiding my whole life. Mm -hmm. So there's, so there's shame wrapped around all of that. There's the shame of like, wow, what would happen if I was actually seen sexually? Mm -hmm. Um, what what would happen if what 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 happens when I felt guilty my whole life and I felt shameful my whole life because I've expressed myself in a certain way and now I'm trying to lean into a relationship where not only would I be expressing some of those things but I'd be doing it in a way that the person that means the most to me might actually see it or see me. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's just like a double bind that you're now put in because. Because part of the answer is to lean into and through that. But part of the thing that you felt shame for your whole life is by doing the actions of those things.
0: Yeah. and yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: yeah. The very, w- w- I've said it before with her, the very thing that has caused all of my problems in my life is the very thing that she's asking for. There it is. And that's tough.
0: Yep. So, so what's the answer? Do you know?
2: Um, reframe it it's not the same thing um because it's the the addiction was not a a vulnerable connecting thing it was very isolating it was very different where sexual connection it, it's a different thing so done right um it, it's i think it's a framing thing
0: well adam just get it like honest with me here, when you think about you and you as a sexual being, mm-hmm. what are some of your uh, identities around your sexuality? Um, so
2: I've, I've grown up with a lot of women in my life and I've, I've really internalized that men are pigs and any desire for sex makes men bad. Yeah, And so I've prided myself in my marriage as not being that guy who just wants sex with his wife, um, self-medicating on the side so that she doesn't have to be aware of who I really am and what I really desire. And so to get to that point where I'm okay to share that with her, I have to be okay with that masculinity piece, which is scary, um, as well as accepting that I've I've been an addict for so long and I have certain sexual templates that need to be known if we're going to have that kind of connection or desire.
0: Okay. Tyler, I
1: I saw you reacting to what he was saying. Oh, I just was. Yeah. I think, I think Adam, you've definitely done some thinking on this. The question, I think maybe to narrow down Brandon's question a little bit is, how, how does the shift happen where you no longer see yourself as a pig? It's, it's interesting that in order to not be a pig, you had to not want sex with your wife. And then you just went and acted out anyway. Mm -hmm. So, so where, where does the shift happen? How does that change to say, okay, um, I'm not a pig.
2: that's why i'm here you tell me how do i do that <laughs>
0: I, Adam, I i want to ask you a question I, I really like the way you you framed that um because i think you're right at the 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 root of it i think you see it now you need to experience something different right and so mm-hmm. tyler and i were on a boys trip a couple weeks ago we were talking and uh, we we kind of kind of got in this conversation and one of the guys we were with he said you know i wake up every day and i just like throughout the day, what I'm trying to do is figure out how to have sex, (laughs) how to have sex with my wife. Like I'll I'll do the dishes. I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll do do all these things and I'll just be trying to work it so that I can have sex with my wife. You know, um, that's an interesting thought. And Tyler and I were sitting back saying like, no, we don't do that at all. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) We're we're sitting there (laughs) there thinking like, yeah. yeah, We call, really, it, we call it the daily quest. Yeah, the daily quest. And, and you can get right to the end of the quest and fail, and it doesn't happen. And then what you wake up the next day and you start all over and you figure out, okay, like sex. Like sex is very much on the mind. It's very much a pursuit. It's very much a part of, of who we are. Um, is that disgusting, bad, perverted, wrong, not loving, um, is, is that being pigs?
2: I don't know. Um, in, in old belief systems, yes, that's exactly the thing that I would be ashamed of if I had that same kind of quest. In the addiction, I would say that it was the same, trying to find the way to isolate and get to a place where I could act out. Um, in, in recovery, it's more the pursuit of approval. And because in my mind, sex is disapproved, um that's like the thing at the end of the quest that i can never get to I'll, I'll do the dishes i'll do the cooking i'll do the cleaning i'll take care of the cats i'll do you all just this stuff want for the approval. approval and i need to feel like i'm uh, approved of before i am will i'm capable of being that that vulnerable to show the other piece
0: but is it a thing adam where you're you can do you can seek that approval and you're even more approved of if you do all these those things not for sex right? You're even yep. better because sex is not what it's about. It's like, now you just think I'm an awesome man. You just think I'm a good guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what if, de- what if deep down inside of you, you want sex? Tyler?
1: Oh, no. I was just going to say, basically, the pattern that happens now is, is that you're reinforcing the exact same pattern to remind yourself that all men are pigs because you're living it every day. You're reenacting the same belief system every single day when in reality, there's... I think here, this is the challenge is there's some nuance to this. It's not an all or nothing, right? If I ingenuously, you know, disingenuously, which I, wow, just wow, totally, that's a big word. I just that's butchered that one. word. I just butchered, I just butchered the word. But basically if, if I, if I pretend, let me, let me use a different word. If I pretend that I'm loving my wife by doing the dishes all day in order for her to approve of me, and then maybe have sex, that's not very healthy, right? Um, but if I, but if I can be in the middle where I can say, you know what sex is on my mind, I'm a sexual being. I'd love to have sex with my wife. I also want to do the dishes and help out around the house and show her that I love her. And if it works out to having sex at the end of the day, that's great too. Yep. But, but I'm okay. If it doesn't, that's different than I don't need it. I don't need sex.
0: Um, and, and so, there's more- so, so Tyler, let me reframe what you're saying. Powerful masculinity exists right there. Right, where where it's like I can I cannot have sex, and desire sex at the same time, and be okay. Right, that's kind and, of what you're saying.
1: Yeah, I'm actually I'm actually real with myself. I'm honest with myself. I'm basically in recovery at that point because I'm living with integrity, and I'm showing up, offering strength to my partner, whether or not she receives the whole thing, um, and that's okay. And I'm okay. And I'm okay with that. That doesn't make me like a good man for like starving myself out
0: for it. So, so that integrity is not, so how that integrity looks is actually owning that I am a sexual being. Um, I very much desire sex and connection and, and that's okay. Rather than just pushing it away, avoiding it, not wanting it, um, and, and pretending like it's not there. It's interesting because it gets flipped on its head where we almost have been taught and have learned that if I show up sober, like very, very sober, then I have integrity. If I show up non-sexual and in control and, and not a pig, then I have integrity. And that's BS because that's not, the, you, you'll never have integrity without honesty. Like honesty has got to be a part of that equation.
1: It's got to have both. Right. And I think that's maybe one place where I think a lot of us as men, we end up in is that we don't trust ourselves to be okay, letting our sexual feelings be there and be alive and be real and not express them. Yeah. Because we, because we've trained ourselves that when we have those triggers, we act out, we let ourselves down we let everybody else down. When in reality, part of recovery work is actually to allow ourselves to be sexual beings and learn to trust that we know how to use those feelings in a healthy way inside
0: of the relationship that we have. Yeah. Um, I want to sort a little bit more with you, Adam. I'm not done yet. So, um, to, to me there's there's a there's a lot of different things going on here and to if, if you understand sexual anorexia sexual anorexia to me is different than um a lack of a dopamine hit when it comes to connection with your wife they're, they're different things so so sexual anorexia is more driven from the trauma and the shame um about vulnerability so for example I had a guy I worked with years ago whose dad beat him so much that he had scars on his body, and he thought those scars were really ugly. He hid his body his whole life, and what do you know, he got married and never wanted to be vulnerable and have sex with his wife. That to me is sexual anorexia. That That is, I don't want the vulnerability and I don't want to be seen. Um, now, sex addiction comes into play with sexual anorexia because it's, oh, I can, I can meet this need in a non-vulnerable way. And then sex addiction takes that arousal template and starts to screw with your brain and, and pushes you beyond that tolerance level with addiction, right? And so now, so, so, so it plays into, now I really don't need sex with, with my partner, with my wife, because I don't even desire it anymore because I've looked at so much pornography right? And, but but the, the sexual anorexia piece is more about the trauma and the lack of vulnerability than it is about the, the broken neuroreceptors in your brain, right? <laughs> and, and I do believe my experience with most of my clients that I've worked with, when they do gain some sobriety, um, the brain does heal itself, that neuroplasticity st- sets in, and it does start to heal itself so that when reconnection with a spouse or a partner, after a while of some sobriety starts to happen, those feel-good feelings really start to come back. Um, and so it's curious to me that you're saying, no, I'm not getting those feel-good feelings. And I'm wondering if, you're, if there's sexual anorexia there, uh, pushing and saying, I really don't wanna take the risks to actually fully have those feel good feelings. So we don't have a vulnerable relationship. We have a friendship kind of, we have a partnership. And, and, and so like when you tell kind of your situation, I can see why you're, you're not wanting sex with your wife. But I don't know if it's about not being attracted to her or desiring sex with her. I think it might be about not being, not wanting to be vulnerable with her. Um, I don't know, I, but I'm just kind of talking out loud here. What are your thoughts, I think, Adam? I think you're on
2: the right track. There's definitely that, um, the, the the not wanting to be seen. Like I don't have scars and stuff, um, but I've got a lot of body hair, and I was teased a lot about that mm-hmm. growing up, and I kind of blamed that on my acting out too, just the excess testosterone It's coming out all over my body, and so, uh-huh. um, and I mean I've lost it up top now, and it's just <laughs> everywhere else, but. That same kind of hiding something about me, seeing my body, my, my history, my shame is written all over me. Um, so so that, that piece resonated. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fear of being seen absolutely is there. Um, a little bit of foreboding joy going on with the, mm-hmm. looking down the road and, okay, we, we do connect, we are intimate. And then she decides she's going to leave anyway. I'm uh-huh. like, oh, so I, I learned to like something just so she could leave. Um, there's there's a lot of that fear um, coming up. So it is a defense mechanism, yeah. I would.
0: In the end, if I go for it, I'm going to get abandoned and hurt. Um, yeah. And so, so why go for it? Yeah, or at
2: least why um, don't let go of the safety net. Go for it as much as you can while still clinging on to what is comfortable.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. Right now it sounds like you're tethered to the safety net. So mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: go ahead. Adam, Adam. Adam, don't say too much because you might be way too conscious of what you're doing and you might have to do something about it.
2: <laughs> I'm hoping that happens. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, but yeah, I think you are. I think you're outlining it really well that maybe you are st- tethered to the safety net. And again, this goes back to what Brandon was saying is that maybe you and your partner are pretty content being tethered to the safety net because you've been through hell together. You've climbed in some ways. I mean, you said you're 20, you're 20 months sober. If we were measuring sobriety, which Brandon and I don't really do much, but if we were, you're winning in terms of what most guys think is winning. Mm -hmm. Right. And you've been in an in-house separation for how long? Two years. Two years. So, so besides sobriety, there should be other recovery work. I mean, and you're doing it, you're obviously on the show today, trying to figure this stuff out. Um, have you, have you listened to any of Jordan Peterson's books at all? Um,
2: I don't think so. What are some of the titles?
1: It's, he, he wrote 12 rules for life and then his newest book is called, uh, beyond order, 12 more rules for life. And, uh, The reason I'm bringing this up is because in his most recent book, Beyond Order, there's a chapter on marriage that he talks about, and he has some interesting takes on what marriage is and isn't. And he talks about the concept of how most marriages can't even tolerate the idea of forcing themselves to schedule in date night slash romance. Doesn't have to be sex on a regular basis because they can't tolerate the vulnerability that's going to come by actually having to see one another. And that most couples, when they come into like couples sessions with him, when he suggests it, they actually sign up to do it, to do, go to like date night once a week so that they can come back and tell him that they fought the whole time and then it didn't work. (laughs) And, and, And what he says is that basically you have to be able to put yourself into that over and over and over again until you get comfortable being in the space with one another again. And then you can open up to start sharing some of those things and that you should be negotiating all sorts of different topics and discussions that allow for that intimacy. And what I mean by intimacy is connection to grow in the relationship so that trust can grow. And, uh, and, and so that you can start to have more of what you you guys really want. You've been together for, you've been separated for two years, but you don't want to let each other go.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it seems like it's time to maybe
0: let go, cut the rope a little bit, take some risk. Yeah. Adam, what what's recovery?
2: Um, getting back to where God wants me to be in my life.
0: What does that mean? What does that look like?
2: Um, happiness. God, I th- I believe that God wants me to be happy. So, getting to a place where I can be happy. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's all I got for that's that an, one.
0: That's an interesting answer. Um, I I kind of hate it. Um, fantastic. fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, are Are you in recovery?
2: I think so. I think I'm in recovery in many aspects. I think there are definitely opportunities where I could be working in a different direction,
0: okay.
2: um, but I do consider uh, myself in recovery.
0: Okay, you've found some results, right? You've, 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 you've made some shifts. Um, but to me, and this, let me tell you the part, I love, I love the part you're saying about being happy. Um, I think a consequence of recovery is happiness. Um, one of the best indicators of recovery is, is healthy attachment with your spouse, um, is is an ability for intimacy. It it really recovery, opens up that possibility. Um, but recovery. Let me tell you things that recovery aren't. Recovery is not sobriety. We know that. In fact, sometimes the sobriety quest can really get in the way of recovery. It can be a problem, mm-hmm. a problematic. Um, Recover this is the part that I didn't didn't like about your answer. It was the getting back to. And what, what I mean by that is I have to do something, I have to earn something. I have to get something in order to be in recovery. And recovery is actually recovering an understanding and a knowledge of what's already there. Um it's it's Sorting through all of the trauma and the shame and all those things and actually being aware of how okay you are right in this moment and how loved you are right in this moment and, um, and, and feeling that and knowing that, um, and, and once you do that, you'll realize your masculinity is there. It's intact. Um, that you're a son of God, that, that, that your nobility and your worth and all those things are already right there. You don't have to change anything to get it. Um, and once you, once you experience that, then stepping into vulnerability with your wife can, can be quite easy because you have that knowledge and understanding. Now, you've had years of acting out in this whole dynamic of, I'm the goody-goody and I'm the bad one the same time. And that's framed who you are. And that's one of the knots that needs to be undone so you can actually see. So the fog can be lifted so that you can actually feel who you really are. That's recovery. Does, does, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, do you know the pathway to it? There's only one um, way.
2: Well, then my my fear of being wrong, uh, prevents me from saying, because if there's only
1: one <laughs> way, way to speak your shame. <laughs> At least that, that's honest. I was going to say the
0: same thing if Brandon asked me that too. So you're right. There, <laughs> there's only one way and it's courage. It's, it's, uh, we run and we run and we run from the fear and we, we, we try to, to like overcompensate and hide from it and act like we're good enough. And it's turning and it's facing that beast and looking it in the eye um, and, and, and stepping right at it and dealing with it. Um, And so when you practice that courage, you'll resonate differently and you'll see who you really are. Um, And, 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 and so many guys that I work with try every other way. You know, they try to prove themselves with the sobriety. They try to, they try to do this and that, but they, they can't get there because they don't fully feel that that feeling of confidence and masculinity without facing the fear. Right. So that's the way easy, right? <laughs> yeah. Piece of cake. <laughs> so,
1: yeah. So, so Brandon, Brandon pointed this out, Adam and I, I just want to maybe accentuate a couple of things. Recovery takes a ton of work and effort. What, what Brandon's getting at is, is that the reason why I do that work and effort is gonna determine whether or not I'm in recovery. So if I'm, like you said, if I'm, if I've got approvalitis, if I'm gonna be approved of because I did this, because I went to my 12-step meetings and I did the dishes and I showed up for my wife and I took care of the kids, and I did all that stuff so that she can tell me I'm good enough or so that I can feel like I'm good enough, you're, you're never gonna have happiness that way. You're never, you're never gonna hit the mark. But what Brandon's getting at is, is if I could take that belief system that says, I'm the goody-goody and the bad guy, which means I'm a pig, And I could surrender that over and realize that I'm the one holding the belief. It doesn't actually, doesn't actually have to be true. It's the, I'm the one who still grasps tightly to that belief that's keeping me miserable. If I could somehow step into that and own that look in the places where I learned that have compassion and love for myself in those instances where I've had that message reinforced and then lay it down, give it over to God or higher power and
0: allow myself to simply just be the miracle that I am. But but Tyler, but Tyler that belief, I know I'm cutting you off right here, mm-hmm. but that belief's comfortable. That belief's his friend. Like it's been there for him. It's right. protected him in a lot of ways, right? Well, if I believe I'm a pig, if I'm, then that's, that, that you know, does something for me.
1: Well, and it's so interesting because even with those false beliefs, we get comfortable in the outcomes, even though we hate the outcomes. Because we just know them. And we know that we can kind of survive and get by and kind of limp along. And, and instead, when we have to pull that belief off and go, scary, wait a second, maybe I'm not a pig. Like maybe, and, and I, I, I guarantee you haven't done this in the last year, but have you looked yourself in the mirror and actually just accepted that you are a living, breathing miracle? Like that you're an absolute yeah. miracle. And, and if you had to actually accept that, what would be the implications of your life? You'd, you'd be living differently. And you know what? You'd actually be doing a lot of the same things that you're already doing, but you'd be doing them with heart and with an understanding of your true nature and you'd see better results. But it's But it's that fear of having to let go of that belief. Who am I? Who am I if I lay that down? Yeah. What if I don't get the answer, man? Maybe I'll just pick it back up and I'll hold on
0: to that same old belief and I'll continue to limp along. Adam, you said it, you said that if I, if I go show up as a vulnerable, authentic human with my wife, then I'll probably get abandoned. I'll probably, I mean, in the end, I'll probably find out that I'm not lovable. And so there, so let's hang on to, to this pig idea because that's mm-hmm. safe, right? Um that'll keep yeah. me in my marriage. Yeah. What so are what you what are you
1: what are you feeling right now, Adam? What are you what are you feeling emotionally right now? <laughs>
2: I don't know. There's a lot to mull over. There's a lot of um like you said, uh you're right. I've I have not looked in the mirror, looked at myself in the eye and said, you're a you're a living miracle. Uh but my thought was I'd if I'm not willing to look myself in the eyes and think that I'm not willing to believe that that's what my wife thinks when she looks into my eyes. Yeah. Um, and so I don't want to be close enough where she can look at me that closely and have that belief when I can't have that belief about myself.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so I don't want her to see what I see when I look in the mirror. Uh, and that's the pig. Um, the other piece is, you're right, it has been very comfortable attributing my worth and my value to my accomplishments and the things that I do um, in, instead of this worth, because I, I don't have control over the worth. The worth is uh, it, to accept that belief system that worth comes from God. I don't have control of it. It's just there. But I can control what I do and my actions and my accomplishments. So then I feel like I have some say in my value and worth to the world. So there's a lot of things to uh to journal about and work through that you've given me.
0: Adam, what ha, have you worked the 12 steps at all? Have you have you done that?
2: Yeah.
0: Mhm. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here. What's, uh, step 3? What's step 3?
2: Turn your will, and your life over to the care of the God of your understanding.
0: Okay. What what does that Is mean that to
2: turn- you? Um word is surrender what that actually means i'm still working on identifying the difference between surrender and giving up Mm -hmm. um but it's i think it's more of an alignment finding a place where i'm i thoroughly believe that my actions like what i want is what god wants um because i i wish god was a gps and he could just tell me turn right here turn left there and all that stuff but he doesn't do that Right. He says, My will is for you to figure out what you want, and then I'll tell you if that's right. Okay. And so, surrendering that over is to readjust, recalibrate. I don't know.
0: I, I, I mean, what, why do you think I'm bringing this up off of what you just said?
2: Um, because I said my worth is in my actions and not in God. So, turning it over to Him. Um, would
0: be that mind shift it's easier to it's easier to to stick with what's in my control and, mm-hmm. and that's that part inside of you that says i can absolutely control levels of vulnerability in my life um f- true surrender to turn your will in your life over to the care of god true surrender is you know it's interesting a lot of people think if i truly surrender will i do anything good in my life and what, what happens is when they let go of the shame as the motivation, then they do a lot more good in their life. They do a lot, and it's a lot of good stuff. But it's, it's from this place of knowing that God's right by, behind them, um, knowing that God loves them right as they are. And it's resting in those arms as opposed to trying to prove themselves. Instead, I liked Tyler's word. What what'd you call it? Appro- approve Approvalitis. approval-itis. That was a good word. I'm gonna, I'm gonna use that. That's great. Um a, approvalitis will never ever um do anything to get um like to earn God's love. That doesn't earn God's love. Um you can try and try and try, but but it won't get you there. So yeah, real surrender is about vulnerability. It's about letting go of the control. And when i say courage the the pathway to recovery is through courage that's what i'm talking about that letting go and saying i'm not going to um earn it prove it uh, get that get that approval anymore i'm just going to watch and see what god does with me i'm going to do the next thing that feels right through faith with 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 me and my recovery and and watch to see what happens it's scary it's vulnerable but that's real recovery
1: it's uh it's funny that you brought up this idea of happiness. I had I was out on a little drive with my daughters yesterday and we parked up in the canyon, started walking around and there was a lyric to a song that one of my daughters played that just said, I have, I can't remember the exact lyric, but basically have, I have all this money but it's not what makes me happy. And so it sparked a conversation with my daughters that I just asked them, I said, what do you guys think happiness is? You know, in, in this episode today, you said, I just want to be happy. I'm going to ask you the same question. Like, well, what is happy? And, you know, I don't know. I don't know what your answer is to that. Like, what is actual happiness? What, what actually brings happiness? And in the, in the discussion with my daughters, I said, okay, we, the lyric says money. We already know that money doesn't really bring us happiness, even though every one of us chases it like a dog. Um, and, and that's okay. It can bring some joy and some opportunity and we can do some good with it, but is it, is it accomplishment? Is it so other people can see you success? Maybe, maybe not. It wasn't for my daughters. What my daughters finally boiled it down to in our discussion is, is that they said that happiness is knowing your strengths and your weaknesses and being able to use those strengths and weaknesses to make an impact on the lives of other people. And I really liked that answer that they came up with. That that in essence, it's right at the core of what we're talking about here, that when you know who you are, you go manifest who you are to the world and you make a difference in the lives of other people. And when you know your identity, then you're content. It's that whole thing Brandon's talking about. I've accepted now who I am. I'm allowing God to show me who I am. And I can be human and flawed and have weaknesses and I can still be happy because I'm still manifesting the way that God needs me to, and that I, that I know who he says that I am. So Adam, I I don't know. I, I I asked you the question. Didn't you have a chance to answer?
2: (laughs) Uh, so what, what is happiness to me? Is that the question?
1: Yeah. What, what is, what does it mean to actually be happy?
2: Um, In the past, happiness has always been contentment, Um, but I feel like in my belief system, looking back on it, I was finding happiness in apathy, not contentment, and they're two very different things, but I think I found that if I didn't care about what happened, then I could be happy with whatever happened, um, instead of being happy with who I am, no matter who I am. So again, focusing on on the actions. So all through my addiction, that was happiness. Things may happen. I may lose a limb, like things can happen to me. And as long as I can learn to be okay with that and just accept that, then I'll be happy, which sounds great. But when I didn't take control of my actions and was still just being acted upon and life happens to me, uh, you said earlier in the episode, telling myself I was okay with that. And I was happy with that as long as I could medicate on the side when I really wasn't. Mm -hmm. And so to me, happiness is actually getting to that real point of contentment, not through apathy, but being okay with what happens because it's from God.
0: I love that answer. I, I mean, I see that, that form of kind of denial so often, everything's perfect. Everything's great because I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. But deep, deep down, like I am miserable. So everything's not perfect, you know? And, and, and so that apathy is a form of denial that is pretending like everything's okay versus, um, accepting what is and feeling what is and stepping into life. And, and, um, if, you know, if you get your leg cut, cut off, you allow yourself to feel the pain of it, and, um, and then you figure out how to grieve it. And then you figure out how to praise God and have gratitude for the trial. But, but like you allow yourself to experience it, to go there. as a, You were describing a defense mechanism, right? Mm-hmm. But real happiness is through acceptance. So, that I could, Adam, I could talk to you all day. This is, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, man. You have yeah, great seriously. insight. Um, great insight into what, where you're at and what's going on. I don't know if we got to any real concrete answers today, but I hope that it has, has just got you thinking about some things, Mm -hmm. maybe digging a little deeper into some things. And, uh, I'm really excited to to see it. Our retreat coming up. I'm looking Um, forward to it. Yeah. Oh man, Adam, our our,
1: our episode today is just like, you're totally teeing it up for coming out to, to come have the experience that you're going to have. And I think it's going to be really helpful and effective for you. So it's perfect timing. Um, any, any last, any last thoughts from you, Adam, or questions? Um, no, I think that this
2: is, um, it's been a bit of a, a tilling in my belief systems, just breaking up that hard dirt and planting some seeds. And I got to go cultivate them, cut the tether and try to fear, see how I can lean into that, uh, that courage piece, um, and not beat myself up if I can't do it overnight, but uh, keep trying yep. day and process. Twenty four hours at a time. Yep.
0: Courage and step three. If you get anything from this, courage and, <laughs> courage and, and, and step eva- evaluate step three. So, <laughs> you guys, if you uh, if you got something out of this, um, you know, just just uh, we really appreciate Adam's courage to come on here and to talk openly about what he's going through. And so, practice courage and share it with somebody who needs some help. Um, I know this topic is heavy, I know it's hard, but there are people right around you who who are struggling and suffering and this could really help them. So please share this episode and uh, we'll talk to you next time. We'll see you later.